and who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Looking at verse number four, he that hath clean hands, a pure heart, and has not sworn deceitfully. This morning we're going to look at the, inex the, the, the unbelievable and inextricable link between the heart, the hands, and the mouth. As I teach this lesson this morning, when I say heart, you can literally replace that with the inner man. And when I say hands, you can literally replace that, that word hands with my actions. And when I say mouth, you can think of our manner of conversation, our words. Amen. Why don't we stretch our hands to the well this morning and ask that the heavenly master will meet with us here at the end of this service today. God, we are asking that you, and pray this, God, would you grant a spirit of repentance in this house? God, we need you today, Jesus. We would that you would touch every heart and every mind, that you would draw us closer to you, God, as we study your word this Sunday morning, that you would make my lips, oh God, that of the ready writer, that you would make our hearts tender to your presence and to your touch. Not only let us hear the words, but God, let us receive the spirit in which they have been given. Let your word speak with divine authority, and would you help us today in Jesus' name. If somebody believes it, would you shout amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah. The Lord bless you, and you can be seated for the next few moments. It is such an interesting story that arises from the life of one of the most famous men in all of Scripture. We read one of his psalms this morning, the Psalm of David. We pick up the story in 2 Samuel, the 11th chapter, in the very first verse. It says this, that it came to pass that after the year was expired, it says there was a time that was appointed, and this time came forth when kings were to go to battle. As you read on in that scripture, this Bible says that David, this king, then he sent Joab and his servants with him, and he sent all of Israel. When you go down to the end, but it says, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. Man, and I know this might be preaching to the choir this morning because uh, you did set your clocks ahead and you are here. But when it's time to go to church, you can't send somebody else. You need to go yourself. When it's time to go to prayer, you can't send somebody else, but your knees have to hit the floor. And when it's time to rise and to go to a time of prayer and, and a time of supplication and consecration, Fasting. Mama can't do it for you. Daddy can't do it for you. The pastor can't do it for you. But there's a time when kings need to go forth and do the work of God. So we read and we learn of this story. It's almost as though there is an insight that is given to us in the book of James when the writer says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away, when he's in a place where he should not be. 
be when he's doing things he ought not be doing. And that's when lust comes forth. And, and when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. This is not merely talking about those that may sneak behind the shed and pull on a marble and suck cancer into their lungs. That's not the most fearful death. But the most fearful death that this writer is talking about is a great God who is merciful but is also a God of judgment that can kill both body and soul. If you've got the Holy Ghost this morning, you do not fear a natural death. For to be absent in this body is to be present with God. But what we fear is to be killed in such a way that we escape the wonderful touch of God in salvation. Oh, hallelujah. And so this pattern that we're looking at this morning continues on in the story of David. In 2 Samuel, the 12th, ver the 12th chapter in the 7th verse, David is absolutely confronted with his, with his actions, with his hands. And he is facing Nathan the prophet. And Nathan the prophet says unto David, I'm skipping a whole lot of the story, but he says, Brother David, it's not your mom or your dad that's standing in the need of prayer. It's not the circumstance that surrounded you that brought you here. It's not Bathsheba's fault. It's not Uriah's fault. But you are the man. And you are going to have to suffer the consequences of your actions. So the pattern that we see, and I may seem I'm being redundant, but when you're in a place that you ought not be, when you're idle, that's when lust is conceived. And when you are in that place, it is inevitable that you will experience and encounter sin. And the third thing is you're going to be forced to face the facts and the consequences of your action. Oh, Brother David sitting in that royal palace and in that, that gold-lined throne, he turned his face to the wall and he said, I cannot help this. For in Psalm 51 and 5, he says, I was, I, I was, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. There is a natural inclination of my heart. I can't help it. I cannot help but sin. When we read about the heart the very first time in all of scripture that it is given is in Genesis the sixth chapter in the fifth verse. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. Ecclesiastes, the preacher, says the heart of the sons of men, it's full of evil and madness is in their heart while they yet live. The 28th Psalm in the 26th verse says that he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Therefore, we must take heed, brethren, lest in any of us there be an evil heart of unbelief that would take us away from the living God. It is such an interesting story that unfolds.
in Mark, the seventh chapter, in which Jesus and his disciples are walking through a field. And they, in the Pharisees, these men who knew about religious tradition, saw that the disciples were taking their hands, unwashed hands, unwashed actions, and they were eating of corn. And the Pharisees said, how is it that you are going to allow your disciples to imbibe in something with unwashed hands? And Jesus looked at them and said, it's not that which goes into a man that defiles him, but there's something much more horrible and, and much more to be, to be, to be reviled and repealed. And that is that thing on the inside, your heart. Mark the seventh chapter in the 21st verse. It's because from within the heart and out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lascivious, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. There are men that can say, if I could just change my surrounding, I think that would change my actions. But I'm here to preach to you today. The problem isn't your surrounding and the problem isn't your actions, but the problem is your heart. Mm, hallelujah. If I could just leave these this these these family members uh, who only focus on sin, who drag me down. Uh, my brother, that's not your problem. Uh, if I could just leave Bakersfield and live in Maui uh, or some island that's secluded where nobody's there, uh, if Sir Richard Branson would just give me the key to his island and I would live there and then when he comes, I'd leave. No, no, no. That's not your problem. Uh, you don't need an island, uh, but what you need is a heart transplant. And so sin is not formed on the outside, but sin is formed on the inside. Hey, man, that's why the writer in Proverbs, the fourth chapter says, your heart, your heart, your heart. You need to keep it with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. And it was the Lord who spoke to Samuel and said, don't look on the outward. Don't look on the outward. Don't look on his countenance or his stature. But look where I look, Brother Samuel. brother. And would you look upon his heart? This morning as I teach this lesson, there is no doubt that in all of us, as one would look into the brazen labor, we're seeing that, God, I need you to touch my heart. You know, the thing about this journey that always gets me is it's not about, and standards are important, but this thing ain't about standards. This isn't about the thou shalt and the thou shalt not. But when it really comes down to it, baby, it's all about the heart. Matthew 12 and 34. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It is so interesting that between our actions and our heart, God has given us a tool to use to change 
I want to talk about that this morning. I want to talk about the mouth. I want to talk about the mouth. If you want to change your heart, you've got to change your conversation. If you want to change your actions, you've got to start in repentance. Romans 10 and 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, and believe in thine heart, you're going to be saved. 28th Psalm in the second verse, hear the voice of my supplications. When I lift up my hands, God, I want you to hear what I'm saying. As I lift up to you my actions. I see a disconnect in between that which I am saying and that which I am doing. And in the problem, God, is my heart. I want you to change my heart. The music comes this morning. Before that scene is over where we left David facing Nathan, David turns to the wall. And he says, oh, God, would you create within me a clean heart? Brother David is not blaming anybody else because that's what repentance does. It shifts the light from the rooftop and the scene and Bathsheba, and it brings the light right on you. And it says, you've got to do something about the sin that you find yourself in. If your actions, your hands are not measuring up to what you want to be and what you want to do, you've got to address it at the well, at the well, at the altar. And you must, you must, you must, you must repent. Not a popular word today. Not a popular message today. But I felt like moving slow and being very intentional and being kind, but being thorough and being firm and preaching a message that's not seeker-friendly, but will draw you closer to God. There's got to be a place where you literally die. Where your heart is rent. And you say, God, I'm tired of the cycle. I'm tired of the cycle. I'm tired of the cycle. I've got to be changed. I've got to be changed. It is so interesting to me, the last scripture in Malachi, the first scripture in Matthew, 400 years of silence. There comes a very odd character. One whose raiment was camel's hair. Leathern girdle about his loins. He ate locusts and honey. This dude was just otherworldly. This man, he didn't fit in. Kind of like this message today. You're not going to hear this at every, every church this year, the denominal world. But Brother John came preaching a message. And the message that he preached was repent ye, 
for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the scripture says that they were baptized of him in Jordan. We talked about that, that, that last week. But, 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 but I want us to understand between, between repentance and baptism, there was, this, there was this idea of confession. Confession. Confession of sins. In a world where the soothsayers, if you will, where counselors will try to counsel sin, there is an attitude in this house today and on this preacher today that's similar to that of Brother Nathan. I'm not going to coddle you. I'm not going to tell you it's your mama's fault. I'm not going to tell you it was your upbringing. But you need to recognize that you are the man. And it's not your mom or your dad. But it's you that is standing in the need of prayer. And so the first recorded words of Jesus is this word. Repent! I can hear the anguish as this man who walked the earth with one thing on his mind bringing man back to him. He says there's this one thing you've got to do. This is where it all begins. Recognize that it's your sin your actions that have you standing on the other side of the chasm. And you've got to repent. Ezekiel 18 and 20, the soul that sinneth, it's going to die. But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed, if he will repent, and keep my statutes, he shall surely not die. For godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation. I could tell of Nineveh. I could tell of others. But I feel like ending with this. Hosea, the 14th chapter. Take with you words and turn. What is repentance preaching? That's when you take with you words and turn. You take with you words and turn. You take with you words and turn. And as you are repenting of your sins, there's not only your spirit and your heart that's turning, but that judgment that has you marked that's walking directly towards you is arrested by a spirit of mercy and judgment too is turning. If you want the perfect picture of repentance, look at Jesus on the cross whose will is completely moved out of the way whose pride is completely subdued. If you want a perfect picture of repentance, look at the man who's walking to the priest in the tabernacle, carrying behind him a lamb, the best of his flock. And he's saying, I want to transfer the judgment 
from this man to this land. You want the perfect picture of repentance? You look at this young man that's speaking to you this morning who one day found his way to an altar and said, God, would you deliver me from this spirit of bitterness? I'm tired of my jaded view of humanity. And God, I'm not blaming you for where I'm at. And I'm not blaming my fatherless home for where I'm at. But the outgrowth of my bitterness has led to a lying tongue. The outgrowth of my bitterness has led to a lustful eye. And I need help. When will sin become exceeding sinful? When will you stop excusing your actions? And when will you say, I need help. I need a divine influence to intersect with my humane efforts. And I need a God that will change As we stand together this morning, as we stand I feel a deep call this morning. I feel a deep call this morning. Yesterday evening, 12.45 or so, I was walking around the well, and I thought of a lady who had come just for another another service. But that day, there was somebody at the well by the name of Jesus who said, if you'll drink of the water that I have, you'll never thirst again. And I said, Jesus, would you please meet with us at the well? Because there are issues of life that have got to be addressed. And Heavenly Father, would you grant in this house today, number one, a spirit of conviction, and I feel it's here, but would you grant a spirit of repentance? It's in repentance where true joy is found. It's in repentance where true liberty is found. What must we do? be saved the first step to deliverance is repentance I'm not offering today a bludgeon of self condemnation but today I'm offering the key to eternal salvation and eternal freedom does anybody want to stay the hand of judgment on your life this morning Does anybody want true freedom and deliverance in the house this morning? And I'm not only preaching to sinners, I'm preaching to saints. 
Repentance is a lifestyle, an attitude that will always keep the door open to the throne room. If you need answers this morning, I'm inviting you to come to this altar and to try the key called repentance. 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 I feel the tender, nail-scarred hands inviting us together today. Come find me. Come be touched and changed today. That's right. Are there any moms or dads? Are there any mothers in Zion that want to lead us to the throne today? That want to lead us to the throne today? to work in me. I need you to stop this cycle of sin in my life. I am using my mouth to change my heart. I'm using my words to change my direction. That's repentance right there. Let God do a work in you today. Let God do a work in you today. You don't have to leave here the same way you came this morning. You don't have to leave here bound and depressed. You can leave in freedom and with your head lifted high. And you can ascend to the hill of the Lord. You can dwell with the Most High today. Because I repented. Because I put myself on the altar. Because I offered Him my whole heart. I worship you. Oh, <laughs> 